Oh, well, I guess we need to do a new intro. Yeah, because it's, uh, hello. we lost the first recording. <laughs> hello. This is our second Welcome time. Welcome to episode one. Or I guess third time <laughs> <laughs> trying to record episode one. Um, what else? What did I, what else should I say? Oh, yeah, we, uh, we wanted to create a podcast um, talking about the scary and fucked up stuff that has happened in Vancouver since you know we listen to a lot of podcasts and I even listen to like a lot of Canadian podcasts and like all everyone talks about um for Vancouver crime is Robert Picton and I there's other fucked up stuff that's happened here so So we got some stuff we (laughs) want to tell people about it (laughs) well I bet you (laughs) yeah and hopefully um I mean I really doubt we're gonna solve anything here but we're also gonna be talking about some unsolved stuff so Mm -hmm. hey you never know Stranger things have happened. They found the Golden State Killer. What seventy? Like he's like how old now? So yeah, that, that's fucking scary. I don't know if I can swear on here. <laughs> I Why do not? put our podcast as explicit, but um, you can swear, right? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I am Maddie, Madison, whatever you want to call me, and this is Rebecca. Hey, I'm Rebecca. We uh, we went to school together, and now we're friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we went to school together, and now we're friends. Simplifying it a bit, but whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> Did you guys need to know? I don't know what they need to know. I don't... <laughs> Every week, I'm going to come on here, tell Rebecca some crazy story that I've been researching, and hopefully we can, like, show how much we need to defund the VPD because they fucking suck. And they've been sucking since at least the 1800s that I can find so far. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think BC is, like, Vancouver is older than that, how old Vancouver is. No, oh my god, Vancouver is not. And, like, parts of, like, this story that I'm going to tell today wasn't even part of Vancouver yet. Oh, it was part of the British Empire? No, it was just... Point Grey PD. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like, okay. Point Grey was not part Point of Point Grey that. PD. Yeah, wow, that was a thing. That's crazy. I was shocked too. <laughs> There's so many wacko things that happen in this case with the police and race, and yeah, this was this is a good one. There's also maybe ghosts. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I don't, I don't really like um, ghosts. I fully believe in them, and I I don't want to hear about them. I'm pretty sure this man's lying, so it might be okay. Not that (laughs) he's not lying that ghosts are real, because obviously we respect the spirits in this household. I just think yeah, you got some actual ghosts in your place. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I do. So this takes place in July 26, 1924 at the Baker family's Shaughnessy Mansion, which is in Kitts. Yes. No. Outside of no. Kitts? I looked it up. It's like in the dead center. It's like kind of near a Children's Hospital, Vendu's Garden, City Hall area. Oh. So like, yeah. It's in the middle. I looked it up. I looked up where like the, the house is okay. located. It's a cute house. It is a cute house, but it's I not a mansion. Not like, that I can afford it. <laughs> I mean, it's still worth like probably at least a million dollars but by vancouver standards it is definitely not a mansion anymore 
it's just a no house. like the house next door is ginormous to it um but it's definitely worth more than a million like this area that this house is located in is like you know the five million range for a shack so and this is pretty close to a shack at the moment <laughs> it's cute it's no i'm looking at that it's cute it's cute it's not a shack i looked it up it's not a shack <laughs> it is very cute it's very like cottage like and has a lot of greenery yeah it's a beautiful house anyway it's got a beautiful porch out front you can it has look a up very a, grisly line. story so <laughs> let's not focus on how pretty it is <laughs> okay so the baker family had a houseboy slash servant named wang foon singh he was a chinese immigrant he's 25 years old and on this day he was on july 26 he was peeling potatoes when very specific when he heard a car backfire and so he looked out the window he saw nothing and he immediately went to check the basement i'm still don't know why uh maybe (laughs) the cars in the basement uh who knows i love that you wrote that down as a note but i'm like looking at the house like on google maps and they have like a carriage house so I don't know why you would think there would be a car in the basement, but I don't know what would be in the basement that would make a noise like that. That's what I mean. And like then, maybe, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, most basements are not that big to keep a car. That's why I was like, I don't know why you're going to the basement, but this man, hears a car backfire and he's like, check the basement. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's like the most suspicious thing in the world because what happens next is he finds the body of Janet K. Smith, the family's nanny slash nursemaid, lying lifeless on the floor with a handgun next to her body. Okay. Like um, where in the we'll, we'll get to where the handgun is, but it's near her body. Okay. And it is important to note that there was no blood. What? There was no blood in the scene at all, which we'll talk so we'll shot- to. Okay. Okay. So she's lifeless we'll and there's a gun next to her body. And she, oh, she's also under um, the uh, ironing board. She's halfway under okay. the ironing board, lifeless, gun next to her body, no blood. That is a sturdy ass ironing board. Like, I knock <laughs> mine over all the time. <laughs> like, I feel like everything in 1926 <laughs> was pretty sturdy. Okay, that's true. I mean, that house <laughs> is still going strong. <laughs> That's true. That okay. So, Lo, let's uh, talk about Janet. Her full name is Janet Kennedy Smith. She was born June 25th, 1902 in Perth, Scotland. And she, while she was going to school to be a nursemaid, she got hired by the Baker family, who was in Kensington at the time, to look after their newborn baby. She then traveled around Paris with them on business trips. When the Bakers were ready to move back to Vancouver, she was excited by the $30 a month salary, which I What is that in today's times? I did not look that up. You can look that up. Okay, let's look that up. $30 in... 1923. I put 1925. So 1923? Well, she was dead by 1925. Looks like about like $400 a month. I guess that was a lot then. In today's money, that's $400 a month. Yeah, $448. That's but like you gotta good. think like a but like equivalent to what it was then. It's still not good. Yeah, but like things it's only cost like a penny the then. Oh, I guess so. I guess you're right. Inflation and whatever. Yeah. But doesn't that normally take into account inflation when you do that? I don't. I don't think so. No. 
<laughs> All right. Well, today that's about four hundred dollars a month, I guess. It still seems that long. would be a lot then. That would be a lot then. All right. Because like a dress would be like a dollar fifty. Okay. All right. Well, so she was she was excited for the thirty dollar a month salary and the promise of a return ticket for whenever whenever she wanted to go back home. That sounds suspicious already. I don't. I didn't find that suspicious. I think they were just like, "We really like you. You've traveled everywhere. You know our baby, but you don't live in Vancouver, so obviously you can go back home whenever you want." Okay, so that's just a little bit about Janet and where how she grew up. After finding Janet Wong immediately called Fred Baker, his boss and the father of the house, to f- report what he had found in the basement. He did not call the police. He called huh. his boss. Um, but they didn't have like 911 back then, right? So they kind of did because as soon as Fred Baker, the father, uh, gets home, mm-hmm. he confirms that Janet was dead and then calls the Point Grey Police Department. So Wong should have called. I mean, maybe he wasn't allowed to because he's just a houseboy, but that, I don't know. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Yeah. That whole situation seemed weird to me. But I don't know, like, being a houseboy slash servant, you obviously have less uh, power. So maybe he wasn't allowed to call, make that call. Yeah. He might have been like, I have to get check in with my boss first. I mean, like, it was probably, like, not, it's not, like, 911. It's, like, a phone number they have, you have to, like, know. Maybe he didn't know what the phone number was. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Right? hmm Okay. Okay, so let's talk about Frederick Lefevre Baker. <laughs> oh, boy. Also known as Leffy. Okay, we're going to go with that. I Leffy. guess a lot of them, <laughs> Vancouverites also couldn't pronounce Lefevre. <laughs> So he's the son of a British immigrant named Frederick Francois Baker and Lucia Esamina Cook, who is just from Montreal or Ottawa or somewhere in Ontario. They really didn't say because, you know, I'm assuming misogyny. They don't give a fuck where the mother's from. (laughs) But he was the youngest of five children. Um, Leffy, we're going to call him Leffy, was born in Donald, B.C., and his family moved around a lot. He ended up in Vancouver, where he went to Queen's School and then enlisted in the Canadian Expeditionary Force and transferred to the Royal Flying Corps, where he was injured in Germany in 1917. Post-recovery, he became a flying instructor for Canada. He also started an import-export business while he was recovering in London with a business partner and then married his now wife, Doreen Marie Smith, an Australian immigrant. And they lived in Kensington in England. I know it's all over the place at this point. <laughs> I, she immigrated from Australia to Canada in like the 19... 19- no, they met in Kensington. Okay. So she immigrated she- from Australia to Kensington, London, or England, Kensington, England where they met while he was starting his import-export business. Mm-hmm. And then okay. they had a baby and hired Janet. Okay. Um, and then together, they moved to Victoria for a bit and then finally settled in Vancouver near the West End, where Janet would often walk the baby in Stanley Park and meet Vancouver bachelors. Mm. Mm-hmm. With, With her baby. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not her baby. I know, <laughs> but, like, nanny. anyone with a baby, I'm just, like... But, like, at this time... You could time, just see you the nanny. 
I think so. But like at this time, I feel like everyone had nannies because she That's would true. she would end up meeting other nannies at the park that she would also become mm-hmm. friends with and that had kids that they looked after. But yeah, so the couple that she works for is their names are Doreen and Frederick Luffy Baker. Well, he worked for the CPR, but he was pretty low and his brother, Richard, is pretty high up in the CPR. So he owned two houses. They ended Why up moving need, in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Why did you need two houses in Vancouver? They, they got money. <laughs> <laughs> what? <Okay>. So anyways, <laughs> um, Fred and Doreen and Janet and their newborn baby moved into their into Richard's second house, okay. which is where Wong worked. So Janet started working with Wong in this house. So uh, yeah, so that's Fred and Doreen and how everyone came to be in one house. Yeah, so Janet would then often take the baby on strolls in Stanley Park to meet eligible bachelors and to develop flirtatious and serious relationships. This is a direct quote from her biography, which is from her diary. This is, they, they like put her diary in the newspaper at the time as evidence. Oh my God. Yeah. So this pretty juicy stuff. The young woman's diary reveals her meditations on her sexuality and romantic adventures. Many entries are decidedly melodramatic, heavenly night, immense moon, and nobody nice to love me. That's Others are cryptic. I suppose I will always play with fire. I I expect that this is what the fortune teller meant when she said I have the girdle of Venus. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love it. Getting around, having a good time. She was. She was having a great time. Since she (laughs) meant to return to England and she often scolded herself for leading men along and seemed to be concerned about remaining a respectable girl. Such writings revealed her to be a more complex figure than the young Scotswoman of blameless character that Vancouver Press would later construct. So after they moved in, the two, uh, Janet and Wong, their relationship was under much speculation oh so she was also uh flirting with him it was it was speculated but he is married oh okay wong is married janet had died by a single gunshot wound to the forehead right above her right eye because of this the police the coroner and fred baker the dad because he gets to say that is literally what i wrote <laughs> i was like i don't know why he gets to say but he made he get he's in on this um they all decide that she saw herself either by accident or by suicide. So, she, okay, that's so weird that the like the her boss is like it was a suicide. Yeah, it's also We're all weird agreeing, that, like like on top of the fact that her boss gets to decide how she died, Wong called him instead of the police. Yeah. That whole thing's just it doesn't make any sense. So then um sorry, not then. I'm just going to describe the crime scene further. So, she was found by the ironing board like I said in the basement. Presumably, she had been doing laundry at the time of her death. She had strange burns on her arm and a stain on her finger. Um, a st- wait, a stain on her finger? What kind of stain? It did they stain. tell you that? They did oh. not tell me that. I know, I tried to find it out, but... She lay halfway under the ironing board with her hand outstretched toward the gun, but not holding it. The gun, okay. it turns out, belonged to Richard, Leffy's brother, Fred's brother. 
I mean, he could have left it there, but like, why would you? When you move all your stuff out, when other people are moving in, and who just leaves a gun behind? In 1920, what, 1925? 24. Whatever. <laughs> you knew what I meant. So no one in Janet's life in Vancouver, other than her boss, thought that she would have taken her own life. They believed because she's Scottish and belongs to the pre-Presbyterian. What church? are you saying? Presbyterian church? Presbyterian church? Yes. Okay. Presbyterian? She, anyway, she was very involved with the church and the Scottishness. <laughs> The Scottishness of it all. <laughs> and that because of that, her morals did not align with someone that would take her own life. Um, yeah, and I get that. they really pressed, like her friends, her n- nanny friends, and their friends all tried to pressure the Point Grey PD to reopen the case after they had already decided she had killed herself. So they do, they exhume her body twice. They exhumed it in. The following August and the following September. Twice? Twice. Wait, they buried it that close to each other? Like, they took it out and they're like, nothing, buried it. And then, like, month, like a few weeks later, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, wait, we need to we need to go again. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is so much work. Just put it in a freezer. <laughs> like... I think that's what they do now. But I think at the time, they're just like, no, you let the body rest. Like, it's so, they're so much more religious then. Oh, that's true. Also, like, August, man, that would have been rank. It's hot in August in Vancouver. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first sign that the case had been mishandled, other than, you know, Fred getting to decide how she died. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Janet's body had been embalmed before an actual autopsy could be performed. What? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. So when it was before it was exhumed for the first time, like it had been reviewed by a doctor, but it was that was he only got her body after it had been embalmed already. So okay. it, it, because sense. they yeah. had already decided it was a suicide, they just immediately embalmed her. And then he got it just to, like, I guess, confirm that. But I don't know how you can confirm it after she's been embalmed. But his job was basically just to confirm that it was a suicide. But he didn't okay. agree with it in the end. Like, even after looking at the embalmed body, he was like, there's no way she could have shot herself. Because, first of all, there's no burn marks around the entry wound of, from the gun. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. she's shooting herself, it's so close that it's going to leave a burn mark, right? And there's no mm-hmm. gunshot residue on her hands. That could have come off during her being embalmed, I'm sure. Yeah. But either way, there's there's no sign of her being able to shoot herself. Okay. And, like, the burns that that would cause. Also, like, most people don't shoot themselves, like, on the top of their eye. Like, it's a weird spot. That's true. They didn't say anything about that. But his other point was she had actually had a blunt force trauma to the back of her head. And it was so bad that this is gross. Nothing grosses me out. (laughs) Well, good for you, because I literally wrote warning gross and was like, I don't want to read this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He found that um, Janet's scalp had been partially separated from her skull and that her cranium was cracked. So like the 
back of her head from like a very intense blow to the back of the head and not from a bullet yeah so this would later be explained away by janet shooting herself and then hitting her head on the laundry tub as she fell to the ground there (laughs) but again like it's said that she's near the laundry board ironing but it doesn't board. say it oh ice right ironing board but it doesn't say anything about a laundry tub no if she hit her head on it then she should be pretty close to it right i yeah i guess but like okay i mean it sounds suspicious like that's quite the hit yeah even falling and hitting your head on a tub from behind that won't like separate your skull and like you know yes gross <laughs> yeah very gross despite all this hunter decided he could not fully declare foul play or determine if it was an accident so he let it up to the coroner's decision and we already knew his decision was suicide second mishandling upon arrival the constable james green of point gray pd picked up the gun and wiped it off as soon as he got there that's what he did um consequently wiping away all suspect fingerprints did they fingerprint back then, like in 1927? Like it's 1924. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I keep saying 27? Okay, did they fingerprint in 1924? Like when was that common practice? Like we need I, answer to those things. I didn't look that up, but this was in almost in a lot of articles, so I assumed that they did. Do you want to look that up? Yeah. Okay. Um, when did fingerprinting start? Oh, 1892. Um, yeah, so he Argentina. had a... Oh, in Argentina. in Argentina. Wow, go Argentina. Okay, I'm just reading like the really small blip on Google, so I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that, but... And I've quoted it. It's going in the book. Okay. <laughs> so he has no excuse for not collecting the fingerprints, basically. Um... Let's go with yes for now, but I'm a little suspicious because it was like what, only a few years before. And okay, and I Googled, 1892. It's almost 40 years. When did it start in Canada? 1920. So I mean, yeah, seven years. I guess four, four years. Four years. Four years. Four years. years. <laughs> four years? Oh, maybe, maybe. But I'm sure they had like some. You know, they're hearing about this thing. Like it's not like they don't. You know. That's assuming co- police departments talk to each other, and we all know that they don't do that. We so, all, yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyways, an immediate examination of the crime scene should have led the constable to immediately be suspicious, as there was no blood, as I said earlier, yeah. no brain matter, what? and basically the entire area around Janet was clean. She wasn't even bleeding. Okay, so then she would have she was dead before they shot her. They, I said, like, whoever shot her, she must have been dead before she was shot. Yeah, I because mean, yeah, I, I would, I would, that's what I would assume, because, like, you can't, like, she had to have been dead for quite some time for her not to even bleed. Yeah. With, like, what we know about post-mortem stuff now. Yes. From all the, the true crime I listened to. <laughs> <laughs> so, suspects. First suspect was obvi- obviously Richard, Frederick's brother, because it was his gun, um, but that was quickly ruled out because even though he owned the house and and the gun, he was actually in Europe at the time, vacationing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Side note, Richard is married to Blanche Baker, the daughter of General Ad McCree Cray, who built and owned the Highcroft Mansion. 
Oh, oh, yeah. we got to talk about Highcroft later on. Also, oh. it comes up again. Well, oh, but there's ghosts in that. Fuck. Yes, that's where the ghosts come in. All right. But again, I'm 100% sure this man with the ghost is lying. But we'll get there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, he was ruled out as a suspect. Oh, crap. Do you think we should do a little... He's saying, sorry if the audio sounds different. I don't know. I'm just going to say, hi, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> turns out Technic- Zoom only lets you record for 45 minutes if it's free. Um, and we had some serious technical difficulties and are now using a different software. Same day, though. Um, Same day. So I'm sorry if we sound different, but we're just going to continue where we left off. That way it's still exciting. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound way too overdone (laughs) okay all right so the second suspect of course and kind of the way i think i've been swaying people is wong foon singh Mm -hmm. i don't actually believe he is the murderer but all of vancouver does because obviously racism obviously so let's see so obviously there is the circumstantial evidence you know he and the nurse were Janet were the only two people other than the newborn baby in the house at the time of the car backfiring. Supposedly. Yeah. And her friends had come up with and kind of developed a motive on their own. Her two friends, fellow Shaughnessy nursemaids, claimed that the married Wong Foon Singh was smitten with Janet and often made her feel very uncomfortable in the house. Hmm. And they theorized that she was not reciprocating his love. However, Janet wrote in her diary that was revealed to Vancouver newspapers that she was actually very flattered by Wong Wong's attention and interest, and he would often gift her with silk night dresses, and she loved them. So she, like, according to her diary and her own feelings, she was kind of, I guess, to- I won't say toying with Wong, but they had a playful relationship and she didn't hate him. Okay. So she was into it. She was like, yeah. yeah. she loved attention. Okay. And you'll see that more of that coming up, but and not in like a way that she was like seeking out attention. She just, uh. She just got it. Yeah, she just got it. She was cute. So. Good for her. If you're going to get free shit, take the free shit. A silk nightdress? <laughs> Damn, that's expensive. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love silk, man. <laughs> so even though newspapers had revealed that it couldn't possibly be true that Wong would be a jealous, angry man if Janet was, you know, taking the attention happily, one of her friends, Sissy Jones, would took her theory to a radical preacher and member of the KKK. Oh, lovely. Yeah, who then blew the theory out of proportion, making it seem like... Janet was so uncomfortable to the point of accusing Wong and therefore provoking him to murder her. What? Yes. Oh my um, God. This theory was made stronger and it was the most broadcast across the city. Of course it was. It's the easiest. Yeah. Like... Even though the case was closed and it wasn't really up for debate anymore, like no charges were being pressed against Wong. He was a free man. He was still working in the Baker residence. They didn't feel like he was a murderer. But the city was just full of gossip that it was Wong. You know, the KKK were there, so they wanted... Yeah. Yeah, they wanted revenge. Well, I mean, a fun fact, uh, 
never mind. I shouldn't say this fun fact. People probably won't like it. It might be coming up. There's a fun fact about the KKK coming up. Oh, okay. We'll see if it's the same one. <laughs> but Janet wrote nothing but kind and flirtatious statements about Wong in her diary. So that further, again, confirms that she she just loved the attention. Yeah. Anyways. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> at the time in Vancouver, the KKK and other xenophobic elites were high up in society and had the most power. So they tried to get this bill passed called the Janet Smith Bill. Because of this crime that said that no household or company was allowed to hire oriental servants. What? Yeah, and white women to work together as they feared for the safety of white women. It's fucking ridiculous. (sighs) Oh my god, okay. (laughs) And then, obviously, this bill wasn't passed, but they did work very hard to try and get it passed. And this happening and being broadcast in the news led to Wong being kidnapped. Yeah. What? A year later, Wong was kidnapped by six members of the KKK while he was working in the Baker residence. Like, he, they literally just stormed into the house and took him. So, wait, he was still employed by them? Yeah, they so told him. So, clearly, he, he was. Do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's innocent. <laughs> I mean, maybe not completely. Like, maybe he was, like, you know, working with his boss on this whole thing. But still. Yeah, like, they... Well, clearly, they, love... they weren't afraid of him, and they weren't worried about their safety. No, not at all. <sighs> and, in fact, for the entire six weeks that Wong was missing and kidnapped, they were storming the police, trying to get him found. And, like, they really cared about Wong. So, wow. the, yeah, the Baker family is actually the only good people in this story, other than Wong and Janet, of course. <laughs> yeah, they really cared about him, and they really wanted to get, like, find out where he was. They knew he'd been kidnapped by the KKK because they stormed into the house in full garb <laughs> um, and took him. They took him to not the main headquarters but another um have it another place in west van pretty close to where the bakers live actually but just a little side note about the kkk in vancouver there they came here and set up their first chapter american clansmen because the kkk is american it was never it didn't originate here obviously right so american clansmen moved to vancouver to set up their first chapter here they rented the Glenbrae place in Shaughnessy. Oh, that was in, my fun fact. Yeah, I knew yeah. it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Really fucking shitty. <laughs> Which, as their Imperial Palace, otherwise known as, like, their main headquarters for Vancouver. Which is now the famous Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Yeah, so for you those who uh, don't know Vancouver, uh, we have one children's hospital for the entire province. So people from... Anywhere in the province will come and live in this house while their child is getting treatment at at, uh, Children's Hospital. And it's called Canuck Place. It's run by, well... Sponsored. Sponsored, yeah, Yeah. by the Vancouver Canucks, our hockey team. And this house was actually rented first by the KKK. I got that lovely history here. Another side note that kind of made me a little bit happy was when the clan first tried to come up to Vancouver, they obviously had to go through White Rock, which is where I may or may not be from. <laughs> <laughs> and they tried to block the leader 
of the KKK from entering Canada on the grounds that he was undesirable. Well, he was. (laughs) (laughs) And he had to appeal to not to be allowed into Vancouver, and he was given a 30-day visa to come and defend himself. However, as much as I thought this was going to be, like, the greatest thing White Rock has ever done, (laughs) 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 they did. They did end up like booing and jeering at the Klansmen as they held their little Rally. meeting. Well, meeting to be like, we should be here, blah, blah, blah. But they weren't jeering them and hating on them because they were racist. They were hating on them because they were vulgar Americans. Oh, of course. <laughs> so it was kind of a step in the right direction, but also um, not. Do, I mean, White Rock hasn't. <laughs> changed much no but i thought at least you know look at them trying to keep the racists out but they weren't trying to keep the racists out they were they were the racists just trying to keep the other people out (laughs) those dirty americans exactly they also like they didn't like the way they handled the racism like vancouver's like we're racist but we're not you know gonna go and lynch people about it okay that was I'm their sh- point. <laughs> I'm sure there was lynching. I'm sure it was just the costumes they didn't like. You know, the the wizard robes and, like, the pointy hats, all that shit that's fucking weird. That's their problem. <laughs> that was the problem. Nothing else. I bet that's true. Because they-, they look like idiots and they call themselves wizards. <laughs> you mean you're not wrong. You are not wrong. But the article stated that they didn't like how they were violent and aggressive in their racism and not, you know, polite while they ripped people's rights to live apart. Yeah. Okay. So, KKK abducted Wong and they were later identified as Scottish Societes? Socialites? 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 It doesn't say that. There's no L. So societies. But that doesn't make any sense. I know. Sounds like a typo. It, uh, members of Scottish society and some off-duty constables. So, like, Point Grey PD. Okay. Were part of the KKK. And they tortured Wong for about six weeks and forced him to come up with a story admitting to Janet's murder. That was just a lie because he didn't commit the murder. Um, but he wanted to be let go. The entire time Wong was missing, as I said before, the Baker family was looking for him and asking police for assistance, but got nowhere. It was later revealed that this was because the Attorney General, Alexander Mac- Malcolm Manson, was working with the KKK. Mm. And he knew where Wong was the entire time. I see. Classic. (laughs) Once involved, they're always involved. Um, So then on May 1st, the KKK released Wong, battered and disoriented, wandering along Marine Drive. He was found there by Point Great PD, probably the same people that dropped him off there, just in a different costume. (laughs) And brought him in under the guise of helping him, but the next day charged him and held him until trial. Like, charged him with the murder. Ah, okay. Sorry. And then held him there until the trial. However, he actually had got a really good lawyer. His name was John Harold 
Senkler. He was a very prominent and successful lawyer in Vancouver at the time, and he also retained assistance from the Chinese Benevolent 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 Association. <laughs> um, and they got the case thrown out basically immediately. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because there was absolutely no evidence that Wong had done it, other, you know, other than what I discussed above, but that was all just, like, there's no proof of anything, mm -hmm. and he just didn't do it, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he returned to China, presumably for his own safety. Mm, yeah. And three of the six kidnappers were imprisoned and char charged with torture and kidnapping. Oh my god, really? Yes. However, wow. the other three that were the Point Grey PD were acquitted. Oh, of course they were. Yeah, so it was just the three nobodies that got charged, because, obviously. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm surprised even three of them got. I know, I, I was pretty, like, good for you, but then I read the next sentence, and I was like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, there are two, two alternate theories to go through, and a deathbed confession. Many were confused by and opposed to the kidnapping of Wong for obvious for the obvious racism of it all, but also because many had began to believe alternate theories at that point. So it was really just the KKK, like, demanding that Wong had done it, mm -hmm. but the rest of Vancouver had gotten all caught up in the other rumors and, like, Janet's nightlife and began to think, oh, this girl's in some shit. Okay. So the first and most popular theory was the night before her, she was found dead. All the owners of the home were staying elsewhere. So it was just Janet, Wong, and the baby in the house. And Janet decided to throw a wild party. Oh. Yes. She invited all her nanny friends in all the city's eligible playboy men. They say playboy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the party is described as a drunken, drug-fueled orgy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, there's drugs, alcohol, sex, everything. It's basically the 70s, but in 1924. <laughs> All right. Uh, the story is that at the party, she was raped, murdered, um, raped and murdered by some playboys at the party. Um, however, the most detailed account of this comes from a self-proclaimed clairvoyant. Like a psychic? Yep. Oh, okay. Who claims to have been present, quote, both in flesh and in her dreams. What? Uh, yes, yeah, so she claims that she was present for the rape and murder of poor Janet, both in person and in her dreams. Okay. Her theory and what others began to believe was that the next day they snuck back into the house leaving her dead body on the basement floor shooting her in the forehead before fleeing the scene to make it look like either it was a suicide or at the fault of the houseboy okay yeah um i mean that's a bit you can't you can't shoot a body after it's been dead for a while it won't bleed anywhere yeah but this is the 1920s they they were yeah I guess. and also they were drug-fueled playboys. <laughs> so I don't think they were thinking like that. <laughs> um, 
Uh, many believe that the rich Vancouver playboys paid off the Point Grey PD to cover up the obviously sloppy crime. Most recently, a writer named Edward Starkin had speculated the second theory that uh, Fred Baker, the owner, well, not the owner, the dad of the baby mm -hmm. yeah. and brother of Richard, I don't know, so many people, um, was not the accomplished, successful businessman he painted himself to be, but rather a drug smuggler, which would explain his constant traveling, I guess, would lead to the death of the family's nursemaid because they were angry, the drug lords. Yeah, I felt like that one was a bit of a stretch, but that's... that's I mean, I guess, but, like, it doesn't affect him. It, like, if he killed the baby or his wife, right? okay. I mean, unless he was, like, the girlfriend, but even then that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. eh. So, in the eyes of police records for Vancouver, uh, Janet's death is written as accidental. What? They, they just kept it as accidental because they weren't going to charge Wong because obviously there was no proof and then they had nothing else to go on. So they just, they, I mean, they could have written suspicious or whatever that word is. <laughs> you know, they have a word, <laughs> they have a word that basically means suspicious death. Okay. <laughs> okay. However, in the early 2000s, a man named Jack Nichol, who had been dating Blanche Baker's sister, Richard's wife. Okay. He was dating her sister, Richard's wife's sister, Lucille. <laughs> okay. And he was at the party. The party. Yes. Okay. He convinced to his nurse on his dying bed, on his deathbed, whatever, that uh, he was fooling around with Janet in the upstairs bathroom. When someone opened the door and he feared losing his rich, successful wife, because his wife's father is Highcroft Mansion, basically. Right. So okay. he was like, I can't lose the money I could have from being with this woman and push Janet off of him. And she fell, smashed her head on the bathtub, dying instantly. Oh, and he claimed okay. the whole ordeal was orchestrated as cover up and no one was supposed to find out about the drug fueled orgy. Or that the elite had been in attendance because it was basically like a poor people's party. Ah, okay. Um, so he didn't, one, want his wife to find out, want anyone to know he was at an orgy and want anybody to know he was sleeping with a nanny and hanging out with poor people. Okay. So yeah. just all around shitty. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he didn't call anyone to get Janet help because they probably could have saved her life. I'm sure she wasn't instantly dead. Yeah. And he claims that's why he orchestrated this huge cover-up and that he was then tormented and haunted by Janet for the rest of his life as he lived out his days at the Highcroft. However, I looked into Jack and there's absolutely no connection between him and Lucille. Oh. Um, and she did marry twice. Neither of the men she married twice were named Jack. Oh. <laughs> and she didn't even live at the Highcroft. <laughs> Okay, so this is just like an old man that's like, I want to be remembered for something that's not real. Exactly. But when this came out, everyone was freaking out and like assumed it had to be the truth. But like, it's not. There's no way. Was he a boyfriend or something and someone just read wrong? Like, um, I don't know. I mean, he's dying. Maybe it was hard to understand him, but true. He was not married to Lucille or any of the Highcroft sisters. 
Oh. He may have dated one of them at one time, but he definitely is quoted saying that Janet haunted him at the Highcroft, but he didn't live in the Highcroft. So this guy's just full of it. <laughs> yes. Pretty much, is what you're saying. Yep. He is. That was the ghost connection. That's it. Oh, you're right. The ghost connection is not scary at all. This guy's no. full of shit. You're just full of guilt, bro. Like, But guilt for what? Like, maybe he was there and he needed some new story that made him sound more important? I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe he did kill her by accident. But I mean, like, why would anyone go through this effort of covering it up for him? Mm-hmm. Like, all these people, why would they cover it up for him? Right. But why would he? I don't There are too many questions to this. There's far too many questions. Yeah, so... That's the story of Janet. She was buried in Mountain View Cemetery in Vancouver uh, beneath a headstone that was purchased by the United Council of the Scottish Societies. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like she had a pretty nice life. uh... Beforehand. Beforehand. (laughs) Yes, she did party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. How weird. I was hoping for a better twist at the Highcroft Mansion. Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> no, it's just it's just some dude that's like, I need to be remembered for something. And that's the thing I need to be remembered for. Well, it's like, also weird because, like, there are other connections to the Highcroft Mansion. Like, Richard and Blanche did live there for a point in time. Yeah. But Janet had never been there. And... Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, when I was doing research, like, people kept saying that Janet haunts the Highcroft, but she never lived at the Highcroft. So why would she haunt the Highcroft? That makes no sense. I don't understand it. She would haunt, like, the Shaughnessy Mansion, which people say she does, too. They say she haunts the streets, Hmm. which doesn't make any sense. She was maybe she was killed on the streets? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how ghosts work. (laughs) I try not to know much about them, because I don't, I don't need that. Fair enough. Nope. I don't want. I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Well, uh, my dad thinks ghosts follow you. Oh. So, like, if you had a ghost at one house, that ghost, if they liked you, may follow you to the next house. Well, I mean, if they liked you, that's okay. But like, is, did they like you because like they actually wanted to be your friend, or did they just like feeding oh, off your energy? Anyways, that is the story of Janet Smith. Oh, how sad and. Yeah, it was confusing there's too many people in this story <laughs> there was i tried to like figure out a way to keep track of all the people and then it just didn't it didn't work there was a picture oh. of wong did you see the picture of wong i did see the picture of wong yeah that was taken for the newspaper oh i mean mm. terrible like reason to have your photo man. taken but it's a very nice photo it is probably a nice one photo of the of him. only photos he's got people didn't take photos back then did they? I don't know, man. I should know more than that. Oh, no. <laughs> um. All right. That's Episode it. one done. <laughs> okay. So many technical difficulties. Let's hope it gets easier. <laughs> Let's hope it sounds okay. Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard. Well, you get to listen back to it and see. Uh... Oh, God. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a good day. I will talk to you later. I'm starving. Yes. And um, we will talk to y'all next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs)